And uh, if you've got your Bible, why don't you grab it? And uh, could, I, could I encourage you to bring a Bible to church? And, you know, I reckon across Equippers, we're talking about making it old school. We're going to go a bit old school in Equippers. How many people think old school can be good? Johnny Brown is all about the old school at the moment. And one of the best things and one of the worst things about Spotify, isn't it? Have you noticed that? It's one of the best things and one of the worst things about Spotify is you can access again all of the CDs that you threw away. And I would suggest you threw them away for a reason, Jono, but, uh, and I know Emma would agree, but Jono's been rocking his 90s playlist on Spotify. So while we were sitting up this morning, we had um, Evenflow, Slim Shady, uh, um, More Than Words, of course, More Than Words, that did, got everybody singing and... Uh, and uh, so we are, we're taking old school, and so I'm, doing, I'm going old school. I've got my paper Bible here, um, and I've got my uh, paper journal, and we're just encouraging people, yeah, you could take notes on your iPhone, and, uh, and if you're, uh, or you can take notes on an Android device, not as easily, uh, but you still can do it, and, uh, and that's convenient, isn't it? But convenience is never going to get you anywhere, uh, and uh, we're just really encouraging people, hey, bring a, bring a notebook, you can write some notes in, uh, and uh, how many people know that uh, God speaks to us uh, during a sermon, and uh, sometimes when you're, it's on your iPhone, you can be distracted by other things that are on your iPhone, um, and we know that you are getting distracted by other things on your iPhone, because we can see the time you made that Facebook status. Uh, and after the, on Sunday afternoon, I can see that during, while I was preaching, other people were writing Facebook statuses about all sorts. And uh, so we're, how many people reckon it's a good encouragement? It's not a rule. It's not a rule. It's, please, it's not a rule. Uh, absolutely. But if, if, uh, if you think about it, if you think it might help you, do it. Is that cool? Very cool. Let's read the Bible. We're going to read from Hebrews chapter 4, and I'll, I'll need to give you time to look it up in the future. But Hebrews chapter 4, and the amazing uh, words people. Jack today is going to throw it on the screen for us. Go, Jack, throw it up there. Hebrews chapter 4, and we're reading from verse 7 to through to 19. And uh, you need to read the whole thing to get the context, but just enjoy these words. They're powerful. It says, that is why the Holy Spirit says, so the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. It's a direct instruction. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did. So proof in Scripture it's your choice how hard you are on the inside. It's not because of your family. It's not because of the circumstances. It's not because they flipping took the heaters out of the flipping building. However hard your heart is this morning is your choice because you can choose today. When you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled. How did they rebel? They tested me in the wilderness. They tested God in the wilderness. They're your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw many miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, verse 10. I was angry with them, says God. And I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them to do. Verse 11. So in my anger, I took an oath. God took an oath and he said this, they will never enter. When you harden your heart, God makes a promise to himself that you won't enter. When the Israelites hardened their heart, God made a promise to himself they won't enter. And what wouldn't they enter? They wouldn't enter his place of rest. We call it the promised land. Uh, it's Sabbath. Uh, it's shalom. It's the good life. It's the kingdom of heaven. We don't get to enter when we harden our heart towards God, right? Verse 12, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. 
So this is Pastor Paul now. He takes this, this truth out of the Old Testament of what happened to people who hardened their hearts. And he says, come on, let's be careful. How many people want to be careful about this one? Let's be careful. Let's make sure that our own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Well, let's make sure. Let's make sure that our heart's not evil. Let's make sure that our heart's not unbelieving. And uh, turning us away from the living God. You must warn each other every day. As long as it's today, we should warn each other. Could I, just, could I invite you to be part of an e-group? Could I invite you to make some friends in church who might be able to warn you? Could I invite you, even if you don't want to grow, could I invite you to make some friends in church who you could encourage? Let's warn each other. Let's encourage each other so that no one will be what? By sin. No one will be trapped by sin. No one will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we First believe, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Tell me, this is an awesome piece of Bible, isn't it? Yeah? Remember what it says. What does it say? Remember, today when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Verse 16. And who was it who rebelled against God? Even though they heard His voice, who was it? Wasn't it the people who Moses led out of Egypt and whom they also made angry, got angry for 40 years? Wasn't it, the, wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lie in the wilderness or lay in the wilderness? And whom was God speaking to when he took the oath they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Because of their unbelief, they wandered in the wilderness. Because of their underneath, they became a corpse in the wilderness. Because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. So I'm going to preach this morning on entering. And I think as a church, it's time to enter. I think if I was to sit across the coffee table with you in a cafe somewhere in Wellington, and I'm happy to do this anytime, I would preach to you this same sermon. Come on, there's a space to enter. There's something that God's got for you that you need to enter into. And it's not really something that you could enter into if you really want to. It's much more something that you must enter. You've got to break into. You've got to get yourself out of where you are now and into something else. And it's not really a choice of, well, I don't know if I want to be super Christian. I don't know if I want to be a churchy guy. I don't know if I want to be a churchy girl. The reality is this, we either enter in or we stay in the wilderness. The problem with the wilderness, it's not a long-term option because God is going to enter in and He's going to take with Him the manna that's keeping us alive in our happy space, the wilderness. People talk about the wilderness like it's a bad space. Wilderness was nicer than the promised land. That's why they didn't enter in. Because in the wilderness, they got three meals a day. And in, in the wilderness, the water came out of the rock. In the wilderness, the enemies they could run away from. But in the promised land, they had to attack things and break things down. These guys didn't enter into God's rest because of their unbelief. But we are going to enter into the things that God's got for us. We are going to enter into the promised land. We are going to enter into God's rest. We're going to enter into shalom. And we're going to drag other people with us because we know a God who's powerful. We know a God of miracles. We know a God who set us free 
and can set us up in promise. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here and by your power, you're transforming us. Lord God, we don't need to work hard, Lord. We need to believe hard in your promises. We need to believe, Lord God, that you're working in our world. I pray for each and every person here this morning. Lord, I pray for the members of our church who are away on holiday. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us and God, that our hearts would be soft enough to hear you, that we'd respond to your voice this morning and that we would truly enter in to everything that you have for us in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Uh, some years ago, I, I had a birthday, and uh, I've been having them uh, regularly. And uh, this birthday came up, and my sister, um, I have an older sister, Carly. She's awesome. And uh, confusingly, I have a sister-in-law called Carly as well. So um, my older sister is Carly Lonsdale, and my, young, uh, my sister-in-law is Carly Smith. Confusing, because they used to have different names. Uh, and uh, so we always have to call Carly, my older sister, Carly Lonsdale. Uh, we have to use sort of full names, even in family circles, which creates, a, I think, a, a healthy level of uh, uh, formality and decorum. Uh, anyhow, I got a birthday card from Carly Lonsdale, my older sister, and uh, and it, it, it was um, it was the Midvale School. Have you seen it? Uh, the Far Side. How many of you know the Far Side is easily the funniest single frame. It's the funniest single frames ever. Like the guy who did Gary Larson did them. Would I would say, I would put him on the list, top of the list. Most intelligent people in history would be Gary Larson. What he can do with, with, with a with pretty poor drawings. Uh, let's be fair. In a single frame, I think is he's brought a lot of joy to a lot of hearts. And one of them, uh, one of the comics that was on this birthday card from my older sister was the the Midvale School for the Gifted. I don't know if you've seen that Midvale School for the Gifted. Uh, and uh, and she imagined that it was me making my entry to the Midvale School for the Gifted. And there's a there's a young guy there. He's got a school books and he's leaning against the door. And I don't know if you've seen it, he's pushing hard on the door. And I think a lot of Christians are doing that. They're trying to get into some special space. Uh, we're, trying to, we're trying to get into a new space and we're pushing hard on the pool door. Uh, how many people know that that is literally how we feel in life a lot of the time? We're pushing hard on the pool door. And, uh, and I, I was, how many people have got uh, social media, have Instagram or Facebook? I was scrolling through um, Instagram, I believe, and there was a photograph of a sign on a shop. I don't know if you've seen this one, but it, it said, um, uh, uh, push, push the door. It said, push. Um, and then it, it said, push the door. And if it doesn't open, it's probably a pull door. So it said, like, push the door. If it doesn't open, it's probably a pull door. Then underneath it said, pull the door. If it doesn't open, it's a push door. If it doesn't open, and then it said, if it doesn't open when you push and it doesn't open when you pull, we're probably closed. And I thought to myself, I don't know how that shopkeeper keeps his windows intact because a lot of people are in a rush to the shops, right? And if, a sign, if I saw a sign like that, after four or five minutes of pushing and pulling, I'd grab a nearby rubbish bin and throw it through the front window of the shop. Right, because the last thing we want is that frustration of the of the door. I don't know if you've ever done. Have you ever hit the door at speed? Probably, I think one of my most painful injuries is the old toe on door. Uh, at speed. Have you ever done that? Open the hallway door. You're racing down the hallway. You open the door. Your feet have grown since the last time you opened the door. And so the door doesn't quite clear your toe and you run straight into it, right? Uh, how many of you have ever actually done that? It, no, yeah, only Patty and I, Alison, prepared to admit. Other people are like, no, no, no. No, I went to the Midvale School for the Gifted. 
Never could get the door open at all. The, um, the reality is when we enter in, it's a bit more serious than bashing your nose on the door. In life, actually breaking through stuff is a big, big deal. You know, you go to kindy and then you go to primary school and then you go to intermediate school if you're in a big city and then you go to high school, right? How many people know you still haven't done anything? Right? You graduate this and you graduate that and you graduate this and you graduate that. And all they're trying to do is to teach you how to get stuff finished because you're about to start your actual life where now the stakes are actually high. The, the things actually matter. If, if you don't get, if you don't sort of get through high school and into, you know, I'm out the other end and I've got some qualifications, the next little bit gets weird. Like it's a bit different, you know, like if you leave kindy and you don't quite know how to use the scissors safely, we can fix that later on. Have you, have, you know, it's like you're, you're still holding your pencil like this. But if you're filling out the forms at your job interview, the only job you're going to get is as a doctor. <laughs> right? The reality is as you go through these things, as we go through life, you've, you've, t- t- you've got to win. You've got to win now to enter in. You've, you've got to win this thing to move forward. You know, everyone thinks life should be like McDonald's. Have you seen the McDonald's? Have anyone seen, noticed the doors at McDonald's? One of the things you'll notice at the doors at McDonald's, they always have very clearly labeled push and pull. If there's one thing McDonald's want to do is they want to make it easy for you to get into the shop. Right? Probably more than anyone else, they've invested a lot of money in research about how do people get in and out of doors. Right? So that's what they want. They want people in. And they want people to leave. And they want to be happy. They want you to leave quickly before it starts to turn bad in your tummy, right? They, they want you to associate their bad feeling with driving away, not with actually being in McDonald's. But the, the doors at McDonald's, they say push and pull on them, but they'll open anyway. Everyone wants life like that. Well, I just walk through and, you know, everyone just wants the doors. Everyone wants it to be like get smart, you know? And just every door just opens in front of you. And we even prophesy, God's going to open doors. Do you know he is? He's going to open doors. But this is what he, he opens doors when you win. You, the door opens after Goliath's dead. The door opens. Uh, that, you don't, you, David didn't get to become king until after Goliath was dead. The, the Israelites didn't enter the promise until they crossed the Jordan River. They didn't enter. They didn't even start in the wilderness until they broke out of Egypt. And I want to talk about these stages in our journey because I think we go round and round and round them. And we've got to learn to win now and enter in. We've got to learn to win what God's got for us and break through into something new. And I want to say it prophetically. There's something bigger. There's a life that's better. There's a reality that's warmer than the one you're currently sitting in. It's more colorful than the one you're sitting in. And you think, well, my life is pretty good. And I'm not telling you for a moment that your life isn't good. But one of the challenges you have is your life is so good, you think you're where it's at. But God is calling us to come on, stir up some faith and break into new territory. Is that all right? So the first big breakout that we can read about in the Bible is the children of Israel. They're in the land of Egypt. If you know the story, they were 400 years slaves. But they began as welcome guests under Joseph. They were welcome guests in Egypt. And how many people know if they weren't welcomed into Egypt in the first place, they never would have survived as a nation. It was going to Egypt was all part of God's plan, but then they were there for 400 years. And as the time went on, various pharaohs came and made conditions more and more difficult as they used the Israelites as slave labor, bonded labor. And the the classic 
the classic moment in uh, Egypt is where they had to make more and more bricks with less and less straw. And if you've been somewhere too long, that's what it will start to feel like. You've been in a job too long, uh, that's what it will start to feel like. If you've been in your marriage too long and you've let it get old and smelly, it will start to feel like that. More and more bricks with less and less straw. You're going to have to break that marriage out of bondage and into something brand new, right? If you've been in your current mindsets too long, you'll feel like, well, I just go to work every day and it's just, you know, uh, uh, 15 months and what do you get? Another day older, further in debt. If you're singing that song on the way to work, you've got to break out. You've got to break out. Well, no, it's just the circumstance. No, you've got to break out. Well, no, God got me this job. Yeah, well, come on. Did he get you that negative attitude too? Come on, we've got to break out of the things that are restricting us. And a breakout begins, we always think the breakout begins with Moses or or the breakout was at the Red Sea or the breakout was the, really it was the plague of the frogs that turned it around. Or the breakout was the light and the dark, or the breakout was the Passover. But if you look at the story of the children of Israel, the breakout begins with Moses, right? Moses, and then there's plague after plague after plague, all these 10 plagues that afflict the Israelites, these 10 significant miracles that break the children of Israel out of where they're at and into something new. But it didn't even begin with that, because Moses wasn't called for ages, And in fact, when God called Moses at the burning bush, he said something interesting. He said, I can hear the cry of my people. I can hear the cry of my people. And then God says, so I'm sending you. And Moses went and Moses led them. And then there was these massive miracles. But it begins with, a cry. And you know, where you're at in your life right now, whether it's good, bad, whether, wherever you're at, when you need to break out, and I want to suggest some of you need to embrace the idea of a breakout. You've got to break out of where you're at. You're actually in a, you're in a restricted, re- withheld place. It's more and more bricks with less and less straw. The money's tight. Your emotions are tight. There's no joy. There's no life. You've got to break out of that. You're locked up in patterns of sin. You're locked up in patterns of addiction. You've got to break out of that. But it begins, it doesn't end, it begins with a cry. Sometimes I'd suggest we as Christians live for too long with our problems because we're not prepared to cry out. Because to cry out for help is to admit you need it. To cry out for help is to admit that you're stuck somewhere you don't want to be. To cry out for help is the biggest admission of humility sometimes that we ever face. We don't cry out for help because we just th- we think, oh, well, I'll just get it. I need a consolidation loan. Do you know, I think you need a change of mindset. Or we think, I just need to discipline myself. Do you know what? You'll never be able to discipline yourself away from sin because sin is in your nature. You can't discipline yourself away from sin. You need God to break you out of patterns of sin. You need 10 strong miracles to turn the world upside down, to draw you out of Egypt and into a journey towards promise. Come on, if you're, if you're in Egypt, you need to acknowledge it. Hey, I'm, part of my life is trapped in Egypt, and I need a break out. I need the voice of God to break me out of these things that I've been locked up into. If that's you, you're going to have to learn to cry out. You know, the, another big breakout moment in this journey of the children of Israel is when they cross over the Jordan River. They cross over the Jordan River. They, 
it's a pretty important little moment because it mirrors historically and physically, it mirrored their crossing the Red Sea. When they crossed the Red Sea, they broke out of Egypt. And now it's almost like the two waters are one and the completion of this journey with a 40-year wandering around and around in the middle, which you could talk about for a long time. We're not talking about today. But this crossover moment where the children of Israel went from wandering in the wilderness to living in promise, that crossover is a little bit different. When they got to, when they get, when the Israelites broke out of Egypt, Moses just led them and they followed. Like that. There was a pillar of fire and cloud and you know, Moses had just been doing stuff like turning all the water in a whole nation to blood and you know, frogs and gnats and you know, death, darkness, light. I reckon that would be the scariest one. The scariest plague, right? So Moses done all that and they just they get to the Red Sea and Moses sticks out a staff and they cross through, right? Armies chasing from behind. You don't really have many choices, do you? It's like uh, Red Sea opens, armies chasing, miracle man's waving a stick. He's like, hey, let's go. I think we're going this way. Do you know, that's often what happens. The work of salvation, God just breaks us out. It's like, hey, hey, we're high. Hey, here we go. Ten miracles in a row. God's really setting me up. Have you ever heard someone share those testimonies? Wow. And you're just like, wow, I wish that was me, but we're facing a different challenge. Have you ever had a friend who's just, God's just doing this and God's doing that? And they, they're not, they don't know anything about the Bible, but God's on their side. They don't know anything about the plan or purpose. or They're just, wow. Wow. When, you, when you're walking through the Red Sea, you're, gonna, you're not really going to, oh, I might go this way. There's not really distraction. You just focus. Well, that's the other side. But see, when jo- Joshua speaks to the children of Israel and he says to them this thing, interesting thing, just before they cross over, he says, sanctify your self because tomorrow the Lord will do something great see some of you are just locked up in a space you've got to break out some of you are wandering around and 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 you risk dying in the wilderness because you're not prepared to sanctify yourself see God just breaks you out of self out of sin but then sometimes you've got to sanctify yourself where you simply say I am going to honor God like this That's where you decide, I'm going to sanctify myself. What does sanctify yourself mean? You can't make yourself holy, but sanctification is setting yourself apart. I can remember when I was 11, I had uh, Michael Jackson's album, Bad, and I can remember thinking, it's a bad album. And I don't like Michael Jackson at all, really. Uh, Now, sorry, Wakash is about to storm out. I'm going to go to a church where they believe in Michael. Um, But I can remember breaking it because like, there were some songs on it that were pretty dishonoring of God. And I can remember as an 11-year-old thinking, that's not good music. That's not going to set me up to follow God. I can remember taking some of my posters off the wall that were from that uh, surf magazine and there were women on the posters. And I can remember taking the posters down. They, the women weren't surfing. <laughs> but what, what, what was I doing? Well, it wasn't God. God didn't set the posters on fire. God didn't steal my Michael Jackson music off me. But I decided, no, actually, I want to live in a way that honors God. God didn't speak to me about it. I just, I just said, oh, no, this is actually how I want to live. And maybe some of you need to do a bit of a stock take of your life and say, if God's going to do something great in my tomorrow, my today needs to look a bit different. If God's going to do something great in promise, maybe right now I need to set myself apart. What, what do you need to do? 
because you don't need me to tell you. In the past, 30 years ago, we would have had a whole bunch of rules about alcohol. We would have had rules about whether you go to a dance or not. We would have had rules about what movies you can and can't see. In fact, 40 years ago in our churches, you wouldn't be allowed to go to the movies. If we saw you at the movies, we'd exclude you from fellowship. Nowadays, we only do that on the basis of B.O. That's not true, Duncan. Just relax. Should have used, I shouldn't have used a name, should I? Yeah, sorry. Forgive me, Duncan. The... But do we don't need, do you know what? The problem with rules, actually there's no problem with rules except they don't work. Because the whole thing of, of getting into the promise is you've got to sanctify yourself. If I tell you, hey, these are the rules for Christian living, you don't get the choice. You don't get, the, you don't get to sanctify yourself. But I reckon right now, God's talking to everyone. Why? Because he's already been saying to you about some stuff. And you've been like, yeah, 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 okay, God, okay, I'll just, but I, what I'll do is while I think about whether that's a good idea, I'll just wander around in the wilderness, right? But come on, you don't really have the option of wandering around and around and around because God's just waiting for you to die so he can use someone else and they'll sanctify themselves and they'll go into your promise. You get to choose, die in the wilderness Okay, think that through. Is that what you want? Because I live my life like that's what I want a lot of the time. Or sanctify yourself and cross over. Come on, you cross the Red Sea with momentum. Yay, wow. Your life suddenly changes so quickly when God first impacts your world, when he breaks you out. But the second crossing is a smaller river, but it's a bit more of an effort at heart that says, okay, these are the things that I'm, are going to mark my life as different. If there's, something, if there's nothing different about you, then you're not different. If you're the same as everybody else, then you're not moving forward in what God's called you to do. Okay, next thing, breaking out. They break out of Egypt. They cross over the Jordan River. And the next thing we've got to do, sometimes you just have to march around and around and around. I don't know, uh, probably, uh, it's always tough for me. There's three stories in the Bible that I always think of the best ones. David and Goliath, it's up there. It was one of the greatest stories in actually in all human history, the story of David and Goliath. Uh, Gideon, just awesome. I love the two of them because I had David and Goliath on one side of, a, of an LP and I had Gideon on the other side of an LP. Uh, and uh, if you don't know what that is, uh, too bad. You've missed out. Uh, but this story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho, how many of you know that's a cool story? That's cool because archaeologists have found the walls of Jericho. So, wow, they're, they're all falling down. <laughs> I like that. Just that little fact helps, helps me. Wow. What's the stupid strategy that God has given you? Sometimes, you know, sometimes financial, financial breakthrough looks like keeping on tithing. Well, that makes no sense. Yes. Perfect. Sometimes the strategy in your family is just keeping on turning up at family events. Yes, uncle, what's your face? Sometimes breaking, yeah, what about dealing with, you know, sometimes dealing with unforgiveness is like this. 
We're just going to keep walking around this. It's different to wandering in the wilderness. You're walking around it. Come on, dealing with unforgiveness, dealing with addiction. Come on, dealing with financial pressure. Come on, sometimes we're just going to have to walk around it until the walls fall down. Oh, is it, it's not very fun, sorry. Hey, let's do that. Yay. Now, come on, go to walk around it. Do you know, some of you have got to learn to walk around like the children of Israel walked around. Do you know the key thing? They had to walk around in silence. So wandering in the wilderness looks like this. I can't believe that we have to walk around this stupid thing over and over. I can't, where's, the, where's there's no meat, there's no water. That's walking in the wilderness. Walking around around Jericho looks roughly the same, but sounds different. The difference between whether you're walking with purpose or not is whether you're whinging at the same time. Do you know, Joshua got the instructions from God and then he gave the instructions to the children of Israel. Did you know Joshua told them to be quiet, not God? Because Joshua knew, there's no way I'm walking with this mob. I've been walking with them for 40 years. I'm not walking with this mob for another seven days with them all shooting their mouths off all the way. Come on, we've got it. We actually, come on, you know who you are. Come on. As you put, you put your hand up, you know, you talk too much. Yeah, wah, 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 wah. I would say my mouth is the greatest gift God has given me, and it's my greatest challenge. Right? With my mouth, I can be the most encouraging pastor ever, and with the same mouth, I can make a joke about Duncan. Right? I can be the most encouraging person, and I can run you down in the same conversation. Right? But come on, come on, come on, if, we, come on if we need to take it, Let's take responsibility for mouth and let's focus on the thing that we're walking around. One of the things I'm walking around and around is that every Sunday we'd see people respond to Jesus. One of the things I'm walking around and around is that every Sunday I'd see one of my friends in church, not just a person from Wellington, but somebody I know, someone God's put on my heart, someone that I've been praying for. And so what are you walking around and around and around? Come on, if there's unresolved issues in your extended family of conflict or unforgiveness, come on, walk around it. Don't walk, don't, don't ignore it. Walk around it until it falls down and let's believe God. Amen? Uh, next thing that, too, in terms of breaking out, once you've been walking around and around and around and around, you've got to shout. We have this whole conference on shouting. So like four days of how to shout, you know, getting the body position right, angle of the chin. Uh, it's not. It's, shout conference is not a conference about shouting. But, but it is based on the, the reality that, that our shout of praise changes circumstances and situations. It brings walls down. A shout of praise, an attitude of praise changes things. And you see that with the children of Israel. They walked around and around and around, and then they shouted in praise, and the, the walls fell down. Which is pretty cool, isn't it? It's pretty cool. So we're breaking out, we're crossing over, we're marching around, we're shouting, we're fighting. How many people like fighting? Some of you do. Uh, how, many, how many people really shouldn't be allowed to play board games? You shouldn't be trusted? I know in modern Monopoly, they've taken, you know, uh, Cluedo, in modern Cluedo, they've talked about taking the dagger out because, you know, too many people have been injured. The, the reality is... Um, Fighting is in our nature. There's a fight in our nature. There's, there's a desire in our nature. to, to it, it, it goes right back to the Garden of Eden. So in the Garden of Eden, God creates man and woman. And he says, man, that's very good. And he puts within them, this, he puts upon them this mandate. 
this call which shapes our nature as human beings. And he says to them that they, with the, they're in the Garden of Eden and their, their job is to tend and to care for the garden. Uh, and the word tend, it sounds a little bit like, you know, just hoeing with a little hoa and picking out small weeds. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not really that. It, it's about extending and, and developing the garden. So we're supposed to develop and extend what is this God, God space in, in, the hum, in the physical world. Uh, but we're also supposed to protect it. So we've got this, this extend and this protect nature within us that conditions us to fight. And some of us need to grab a hold of the fight, like Paul, the apostle. At the end of his life, he was able to say, I have run the race. I have fought the good fight. I've finished my race. I've fought the good fight. I've finished my race. That's the sort of uh, uh, endorsement we want at our funeral, don't we? We don't want just, yeah, no, he was a good person. We want someone, we actually want someone to say, no, they, they did their thing and they did it with fight. They did it with energy. They did it up against odds, odds, not obs, odds. Come on, are there some odds you've got to fight? Are there some things coming against you? Is there something that you can run at? My favorite, the best fight in the Bible is David and Goliath because the odds were extreme. But the best thing about that story isn't just that David won. It would still be a good story if he lost. The best thing about the story is the attitude of the young man. The attitude of a young man that says, I've got, this is the weapons I've got available to me. This is the enemy that's in front of me. And I'm running at it. Some of us have got this weapons available and got this enemy in front of us. And we're developing a range of strategies. David didn't develop a range of strategies. He ran at the thing that was in front of him. He ran at the giant that was an obstacle in his world. You know, if, you're mar- if you're married, giants will arise. Giants will emerge. Issues come up. They tend, they tend to get bigger and bigger over a 30-minute period. They can grow from very small issues to something that becomes insurmountable. As a man, if I could tell you as a man, I don't know what it's like for a lady. As a man, if you don't learn to run at the issue right? And you, and you develop strategies, well, how am I going to deal with this? You'll come up with your favorite strategy. I'm going to watch television. Okay? You've got, come on, you've, whatever weapon you've got, whatever resources you've got relationally, whatever abilities you've got emotionally, let's face it, you don't have any. So you just pick up what you've got and come on, run at it. Run at the issue. Why don't you say to your wife, oh, this is not how I wanted this evening to go. This is not how I wanted the conversation to go. This is not where I want our marriage to be. How can we bring this giant down? How can we bring this challenge down? Because you can either run at it or run away from it. And there's two different outcomes. If you run at the challenge, God sees you running and comes behind the stone you throw. If you run away from, run away from the issues, you put yourself in a position where God cannot help you. Because they didn't enter God's rest because of unbelief. It wasn't because they didn't have the right strategies. It wasn't because they didn't have the right intelligences, but because they did not believe. David beat Goliath because he trusted in God. He trusted in God. God worked the circumstances in such a way, as history teaches us now, God worked the circumstances in such a way that the giant fell. 
but it was because David was prepared to run at it. Do you know one of the interesting characters in the Bible? How many people know the Bible is full of interesting characters? Some of the most interesting characters very rarely get mentioned from the platform. Uh, one of the interesting characters in the Bible is a guy called Elijah. Uh, we talk about Elijah a lot. Have you heard about Elijah? Give me a wave if you've heard of Elijah. He's a pretty famous prophet, and uh, he's a prophet in the, in the worst time in Israel's history. So there wasn't many people following God, and, and he, was a, he was a vocal, political figure. Um, he was dangerous. At one point, he prayed, and it stopped raining for three years. Um, and then he set up a challenge, and he called fire down from heaven on an offering. Uh, and then he murdered. Uh, no, he didn't. He put to death uh, uh, 400 prophets. Uh, evil people, he put to death. He was like a pretty full-on figure, right? A couple of days after he had that big victory, though, he, was, he, was, uh, he, he hears that the queen is after him, and he freaks out. He has an emotional breakdown, complete emotional breakdown, and he runs into the desert. He runs for 40 days into the desert, collapses, hoping to die, but angels come and feed him in the desert. And then he runs for another bunch of days uh, to a cave um, and he hides in the rock in the cave. And he's, he's, in what we, he's in what you'd call a bad place. He's in a cave, but it's not like yours or my cave. It's an actual cave uh, as opposed to just an emotional cave. He, it's an actual cave. He's in the cave. He's sitting there. It's rocks. You know, the thing about caves that you don't remember, you know, caves seem like wonderful places until you go in them because they're actually really moist, they're really wet. Caves are moist and damp, and there's wetters and spiders in caves. He's hanging out in the cave, and he, I don't know what he's doing. I guess he, he's just in the cave. He's running away from God's plan. He's running away from God's destiny for him. He's, run, he's, he's fearful. He's anxious. He's depressed. Uh, he's run for 40 days and not been eating. He's not been looking after himself. He's in a shambles, right? And then it's amazing what breaks him through to the next level. God comes with this, this fire and a windstorm, and God's not in them. It's just funny because, you know, Egypt, getting out of Egypt, there's, you know, plagues and miracles and earthquakes and wow. But God's not in, for Elijah in his space to get, he had to get into the next thing that God had called him to. And in fact, for the history of Israel, Elijah getting into that next space meant that there was an Elisha and there was a Jehu. And it meant that the kingdom carried on for another bunch of generations because Elijah was able to face up in the cave. He, he didn't want, he didn't storm out of the cave and said, well, we're going to march around this issue. It wasn't, that wasn't what it needed. He'd been fighting and, and he'd run out of fight. But it just says, God spoke to him a still, small voice. Okay, we, we, we've got to enter in. We've got to stop pushing the pool door. Some of us need the miracle of God to just break us out of all of our crap. Some of us need to sanctify ourselves to cross into the promised land. Some of us need to get a bit of focus in our life and to start marching around and around and around and around our issues. Some of us need to learn the language of praise so that the walls actually fall down. So instead of just marching around and around and around, we actually see some breakthrough. We actually see some moving forward. Some of you have got to stop running away from your issues and start running at them and fighting them. Uh, some of you 
Have you got to listen to the still, small voice of God? How many people like the book of Revelation? It's worth a read. Uh, the book of Revelation is a good one to read because it says if you read it, you get blessed. Uh, and uh, apart from that, it's confusing and weird. Uh, but um, Jack's going to throw up if, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And it says this. Look, you have to read verse 19, verse 18, scary. Jesus is judging all these churches. And then he wraps it up and says, look, look, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Isn't that a cool thing for Jesus to say? I mean, think about Revelation. You know, he's going to be riding a white horse. His trumpets. His, you know, he's on the. He's judging the world on on an ivory throne. All this happens later in the Book of Revelation. But at this point here, Jesus is just saying, "Come on, I'm I'm standing at the door outside your heart, and I'm knocking." You know, if I was God, I'd just kick doors down. Hey, I'm here. Jesus just knocks on the door of our heart. I like it. It reminded me when I was reading. I thought, oh, we've got to put Elijah in there. Because Elijah has just heard that still small voice. Jesus just knocks on the door of our heart. And what does Jesus say? All we need to do is we need to open the door. And he comes in. And I love it in, in, in Revelation 3.20. This is the New Living Translation. Don't you read it? It's cool. Look, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I don't know what that means. You hear God's voice. God speaks. But then there's some sort of response you have to make. It's not dramatic. No one got a medal for opening a door. You don't have to run at the giant in this part. You don't have to walk around the walls. You don't have to sanctify yourself. You just have to open the door. Have you ever thought about just maybe this being one of the most powerful things you could do? Maybe giving yourself two minutes in the morning before the rest of the family are up where you can sit in the most comfortable chair in the house without other people getting it. And you can close your eyes and you can just say this, Jesus, I'm opening my life to you. What does Jesus say? I, I love this. When we open the door, He comes in. And we'll share a meal together as friends. It sounds to me like the Lego movie, like buddies. Oh, I, really, I really believe God wants to move us into a whole new reality. God wants to move you into a whole new reality. And I've outlined as many as I could think of. As many ways that the Bible moves us from one reality to another. Because I don't think God's telling us all the same thing. But I reckon at different stages in our life, these different things are important. But maybe you need miracles to break you out. Maybe you need to sanctify yourself. Maybe you need to start marching around the issue and close your mouth. Maybe you need to open your mouth and shout some praise. Maybe you need to run down the hill and scream at the giants. Maybe you just need to come out of your cave and listen to His voice. Maybe you just need to open 
the door. You know, Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Enoch went to heaven because he had faith. Enoch entered in because of his faith. Because he pleased God. It's impossible to please God without faith. There's two things. There's two things that need to shape your faith. Check these two things out. I think you do one well and you do the other one badly. If you're going to come and meet with God, if you're going to go from where you are to where God's got for you, number one, you need to believe that God exists. Everyone, tick. We're at church, stupid pastor. Obviously, we believe that God exists. But this is the thing you don't believe about God. You've got to believe that He exists and that He rewards. Easy to believe that God exists. It's hard not to believe that God exists. Sun, moon, stars, oceans, mountains, beautiful children, puppy dogs. It's easy to believe that God exists. It's hard to believe that God would reward you when you begin to seek Him. Hard to believe that. But God's calling us to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. They didn't enter in because of their unbelief. How do you need to express some faith? Why don't we stand to our feet and pray? Is that all right? The rest of the band, why didn't you come? We're going to finish with a song of praise in 30 seconds. Well, 30 seconds, between 30 seconds and three minutes. But why don't you close your eyes? I just really want to pray. I want us to pray a bunch of times, but maybe, maybe you can identify one area where you really need to engage some faith. Do you need to engage some faith and begin to cry out for miracles? Come on, if you desperately need some miracles, don't keep quiet. Cry out for some miracle. Maybe we need to do all of these things every day and just see which one works. We've got to cry out for some miracles. But some of you I know, some of you I know God's speaking to you about setting yourself apart. There's some things you need to remove from your life so that you can enter into the next space. Some of us are marching. Some of us are shouting. Some of us are fighting. Some of us just need to get out of our cave and listen for His voice. And all of us got the opportunity to open the door of our heart. Right across the room, lift your hands. There's something for everyone in this sermon. Uh, it's a shotgun sermon. You just load up and fire it out. It doesn't, you, know, you can't miss with a sermon with 19 points. Holy Spirit, just would you speak to us this morning? You're our teacher. Lord God, you're our God. You're our leader. You're our, you're our pastor, Jesus. Lord, you are the chief shepherd, Lord, and we... Lord, we know you. We know your voice and we follow you. This morning, Lord, we ask you to speak. Lord, speak into our hearts about where we need to engage faith, where we need to begin to activate something in our world, where we need to shake ourselves or, or return to you. Lord God, where we need to get some fight back into our spirit. Lord God, wherever we're at this morning, Lord, I pray you'd speak to each and every one of us. Oh God, release your word, Lord. Release your word, Lord. Release your word. God, I thank you that your word goes out. Even right now, your word goes out into our hearts and it doesn't return void. It does everything it's called to. It accomplishes that which it's intended to accomplish. Lord God, we release your word in this place. Come on, begin to pray right where you're at. Begin to identify. Maybe you need to even make some promises to God and say, God, this is where I'm at. Maybe you're here and you need to begin crying out. 
Say, God, I need some miracles to break me out of Egypt. I need some miracles to set me free. I need some miracles to cross this Red Sea. I need some miracles to get out of where I'm stuck. In Jesus' name, God, we pray that you'd move. More Holy Spirit, work in our hearts, work in our hearts. Just as you're standing there with your heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here this morning, and perhaps you've never taken an opportunity to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior. The reality of everything that I've preached this morning is all, all revolves around this one word, faith. Do you know, to have Jesus as part of your life, it requires nothing from you except faith. Just faith. Faith that says, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for me is what sets me free. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for me is what opens up my future. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for me is what draws me near to the love of the Father. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for me is what empowers my life change. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for me is what gives me a hope, it gives me a future, and it gives me purpose in my life. If you're here this morning, and you've never made a decision to acknowledge Jesus, I'd love to lead you in a prayer where you can ask Jesus to forgive your sin, invite Him to be part of your world, and you can leave this place this morning transformed by God's grace. So just right now, everyone else has got their heads bowed and eyes closed. It's just really between you and me and God. If that's you and you say, yeah, I want to be included in this prayer this morning. If you're saying, Pastor Jordan, I want you to pray and we'll pray together. All I'm asking you to do right now before we pray, I just need to know who's praying this prayer with me. Just shoot your hand up wherever you're standing. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it back down. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I do want to know who's praying this prayer this morning. Who's saying, yeah, I need Jesus as part of my world. Either for the very first time or perhaps you're here and for whatever reason, you know that you need to recommit and rededicate your life to God. Why don't you do that as well? Just shoot your hand up. Once I've seen your hand, we're going to pray. That'd be awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. So, how many other people are making that decision this morning? Why don't you shoot your hand up? Awesome. Thank you over here. That's so good. That's so good. Can I urge you if you're here and maybe you should, why don't you do it? Why not commit your life to Jesus? He will not let you down. Is there one more time? Is there anybody else wanting to make this decision this morning? If you want to join with the two others who have already responded, shoot your hand up and then we can pray. That'd be awesome. Can we pray together, church? Is that all right? And those of you who lifted your hand, I want you to just pray this prayer with everything you've got. We're all going to pray together so that you don't need to feel embarrassed or, or singled out. Uh, let's all pray together. Is that good? Here we go. I'll pray a line and then we'll shout it out. Uh, Dear God, I thank you for loving me and for sending Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for dying in my place for paying the price for my sin. I ask you to forgive me, God, and I'm choosing today to make you the Lord of my life. From this day onwards, in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Could we give God a shout of praise? That'd be so good.